traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hello, new leader uh, in the UK. What do we care? Uh, The guy with the goofy haircut is gone. That's Boris Johnson. He will be gone soon. He announced his resignation. What does it mean? Uh, Those guys kind of come and go fairly routinely. Uh, This guy, look, he was all about Brexit. And once that was done, he had no real follow on act. I think it was uh, death by a million cuts. Is that how is that how that saying goes? Um, Can we just for a moment speak about how good I look these days? Here's my secret. People are like, what's going on? Are you losing weight? What's happening to you? You look different. Um, The secret is, you know how uh, people, um, orange is the new black, and you know how those people wear black all the time? You know, artists wear black, black shirt, black pants. Um, I've been doing that lately, out of by accident, quite frankly. My wife bought me a bunch of kind of like Lacoste black shirts, but they don't have the alligator on them. They're like Brand X black shirts, and I happen to have, you know, it just worked out that way that a couple of days in a row, I wore a black short sleeve shirt and black pants, and man, oh man, now I know what the hell, why all those people, why all those Hollywood types wear black. It is. It's slimming somehow, and it just makes you look a little bit cooler. You stand out. I I happened upon this by accident. I never noticed it in anybody else. But I like the results, and I think even though it's summertime and uh, the the white pants that I was wearing wasn't doing anything for me at all. So um, if you see me, most likely I will be in black and uh, also wearing dark sunglasses. That really makes you look like a superstar or a weirdo. I don't know, but it's a fad for me. It's lasted three days, and uh, so far, so good. You heard about the guy in Uvalde. The, the, the officer did not take the shot. He had a clear shot at the at the young man who was shooting up that school. A massacre was underway. He had a clear shot, and he asked his boss for permission. He, he had a call into headquarters to find out if he could take that shot. And 30 minutes later, the call said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Well, he had no more shot. How can that happen? What is, how can something like that happen? Why do we give... Why do we arm police officers in Uvalde if they can't pull the trigger? It's a tough job. You got to, but I think here's what's going on. These days, we've got an entire culture afraid of saying the wrong thing. If you say the wrong thing, if you type the wrong thing, if you post the wrong thing, if somebody feels offended by the way you look at them, you could be in big trouble. Just for, you could lose everything. Everything by telling the wrong joke. Roseanne Barr made that joke about Planet of the Apes, which, oh, by the way, I'll get into this at another time, but I think everybody misunderstood what she was getting at. Everybody. It was a bad joke, but she was trying to tell a different joke and it blew up in her face. Anyway, have you heard from her anymore? 
because it trickles down. You know, it happens to Roseanne Barr. It happens to the bus driver. Okay, it does. You say the wrong thing. You do the wrong thing. You don't hurt anybody. You hurt with your words. Feelings get hurt. Watch out. You could be in trouble. So how about pulling the trigger? Pulling the trigger. I mean, that's, that is literally life and death. And I think we've become a, a culture where we're just always looking over our shoulders and are we going to get in trouble and what's going to happen? If we get in trouble for posting the wrong thing on Facebook, imagine if you shoot somebody. Now, I really do wish this cop pulled the trigger, and he probably should not be a cop if he's asking for permission from a boss to pull the trigger. Now, who knows? Maybe the guy at that point, I don't Look, I wasn't there. It's easy for me. It's easy for all of us to second guess. But you know what? Sometimes it's sometimes it's hard to second guess. Sometimes you get people give you um, junk for second guessing somebody. Oh, how dare you second guess him? Well, then it's easy to just kind of see what happens. Now, sometimes you got to put your foot down, even though it may look not ideal. Here I am in my air conditioning on beautiful New York City on a great day. Second guessing what some cop did three weeks ago in Texas. The easy thing is to let them off the hook. Oh, well, we don't want to be seen as undermining anybody. Well, no, you got to actually ask these tough questions. It's, um, oh, meanwhile, you, asking tough questions and doing tough things to uh, get the job done. There is another protest happening. What's this one about? Anti-gun violence. Okay, that's good. It's a protest against gun violence. And they took over the Brooklyn Bridge. They are marching over the Brooklyn Bridge to protest. Gun violence. Um, okay, again, it's better than some of the other protests I've seen. I don't see how stopping traffic and inconveniencing everybody is going to help. They have these things periodically, by the way. You know, they're always shutting down <clears throat> highways, byways, bridges, if the cops do something wrong. And then somebody will remind them, hey, you folks, uh, you protesters never seem to mind that all these people are getting shot and killed. Uh, what's up with that? So every now and then... They coordinate and they say, okay, now we have to we have to protest against gun violence and we have to look like we're a force for good here. They do it occasionally, uh, I would say every two or three years, especially in this city, when they're kind of shamed into it. And it doesn't mean anything. Nothing seems to mean anything these days. It's just a, we, we are a standardless uh, country, meritless. Everybody's just kind of just, I don't know, desperately clinging to what? I wish they would turn to God. I wish they would. Godless. It's godless society. How could we have stigmatized the greatest chance we have for redemption, for peace, for prosperity, for everything? No, that's not cool to talk about. Don't you dare talk about it. I also think we need to talk about video games and what they may have done, how they may be contributing to this uh, incredible rash of mass shootings we're seeing. It's a trite kind of been there, done that argument, I know, but I don't think we ever did it fully or honestly enough. They did it for a little bit in the 90s, and then it disappeared. No one really talks about it. They talked about it in the aftermath of the Columbine guys, but let's face it, video games weren't really all that in 1998, 99. They've come a long way. Have you seen, what is it called? Um, what is that? Grand Theft Auto 15? I mean, talk. it's like virtual reality murder. It is just, it's its incredible. I've never seen it. This is like, you might as well just be killing people. You're, it's crazy stuff. It's horrendously violent. Call of Duty, too. 
That is just, I mean, it, it, you see, this is not having an effect. Of course it's having an effect. Have they proved it in the labor, laboratory yet? No. But it's like, I think someday it'll be like smoking and it's linked to lung cancer. You know, for a long time, they actually said cigarettes were good for you. And then we all found out. Now these video games, they have, they have to be contributing to it. When I was growing up, what were the cutting-edge video games? Uh, well, I actually remember Pong. I remember uh, Space Invaders. And what was the other one that people liked? Pac-Man. I didn't like that. But those were the big games. You know, blowing up aliens. Now we're blowing up people with guns right in their face. And they actually designed it so you can see the blood and the guts. Now this kid, Cremo, didn't exactly look like the big man on campus, if you know what I mean. I don't think he was the captain of the football team. Just looking at him, I know that this kid spent a lot of time online, a lot of time alone. And so are hundreds of millions, billions of other people. All this stuff hit us so quick, we have no idea. We're being rewired in ways we don't understand. We are changing as human beings. We are losing what makes us human beings, I think. And now we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to manage it. And no one's telling us how. All I hear is another study about how addictive the phone is and it's getting more addictive. What's going to happen when virtual reality, when they perfect that? What will happen? I don't know. I don't know. Nothing good. Hey, Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein is rotting in a prison in California. This guy could be, how many indictments do they have against him? I think 10. He allegedly assaulted 10 women in California. They got him for assaulting five women here in New York. Uh, a big biography is coming out about him in a week or so by Ken Oletta. You know that guy? He's a man about town, pretty cool guy. And he seems he's written the book on Ken Oletta. And I, I, I'm sorry, on Harvey Weinstein. And in the book, they will remind everybody how Harvey was just the darling of Democrats. He gave them money, and did they give him protection? In the summer of 20, when did Harvey go down? In the fall of 2017. Now, people had been talking about Harvey and his craziness and his, um, you know, piggish attitude and behavior toward women for a long time, for a long, long time. But you know who was going to intern for Harvey Weinstein in the summer of 2017? Malia Obama, daughter of the president, was going to intern. I mean... This is that's about as high profile as it gets. That's about as prestige an assignment as you can get as an intern. And it was Harvey Weinstein and people knew, people knew. Barack Obama knew. That's that's kind of uh that's weird. Why doesn't anybody ever ask uh Obama about that? Where is he? Try asking him a question. That guy is ensconced. It's like trying to get to um Jeff Bezos or something like that. You will never see him kind of on the street or anywhere. He is in his little secure cocoon that billionaires perfect for themselves. Hey, I hear more and more people are talking about what I've been talking about for months, psychotropic drugs and their impact on these uh, mass murderers, these shooters. It also stands to reason video games seems to be a common thing that these guys have in common. And um, Psychotropic drugs. I'm not going to name the drugs, but you know them. They're household names now. People take them, and often they say this will lead to suicidal ideations. Well, one step over from suicide is homicide, and it's also kind of common sense. Why isn't that being talked about? We're having the same silly discussion about gun control 
And don't forget, Illinois, where this last shooting took place, has uh, some of the most stringent gun control laws in the world. And uh, no, you can't go there. We don't want to talk about those drugs that everybody is taking. Hey, in the state of Washington, it looks like you can give those to kids without telling the parents. It's a We're trying to make kids, I think they're going to actually make the age of adulthood something like 13. And can we also agree once and for all that sexuality and uh, children, particularly uh, aberrant sex, should not be discussed in the classroom until a certain age at least? And by aberrant sex, I mean unusual, like, I mean, look, normal sex, what is normal sex? Normal sex actually sounds like lame sex, doesn't it? Normal sex. But this transsexual fixation is aberrant. It is abnormal. Clinically, it is. A gender dysphoria. It is a disorder. Yet they're trying to make it something that is just as, I mean, it's almost you're uncool if you're not that way. Hey, I saw this Monmouth University. Are you familiar with those guys? I've never actually seen it. It's a, they got a great big polling institute. Only eight percent of the American public trust the media. Uh, that actually, I totally agree with. I, I don't count myself as, a, as as one of them. You know, I saw Erica Hill and this other guy Jim Shuto on CNN, just all pompous and you know, just judging everybody and. And I thought to myself, when have either of those two people had, have they ever had their ass on the line? And by that, I mean, you know, anything from driving a bus to uh, standing in front of a classroom in front of 30 kids. Um, have they ever been in a real job? And guess what? None of them, none of them know it. None of them know real life. All they know is makeup and cameras and trying to make themselves look important. I would take anybody, anybody off the street over those two and people like them. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, man, here's some news. Sorry to have to say this. James Caan is dead at the age of 82. James Caan, great actor, perhaps most famous for uh, Sonny, Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. Uh, he was absolutely terrific. Uh, James Kahn, wow. Native New Yorker. I think he went to Hofstra University, and he may have crossed paths there with Francis Ford Coppola. Um, you know, he was actually kind of short, and he wore uh, stilts. Uh, they gave him, like, boosts and, uh, for the for the heel of his shoe. Anyway, he was terrific in that role. Um, you know, the hothead. Ah, sunny, sunny. And he was also the womanizer and... Um, what else do we know? Oh, you know, he's in another great movie called Thief. No one talks about this, but it's from the early 1980s. The soundtrack is from uh, Tangerine Dream, and it's just a great film. Very likable guy, very charismatic, had his own particular look, and he did some. He did a lot of television. What else? I think his son is an actor as well. Uh, let's see here. James Conn. We don't have a cause of death. Where did he die? I don't know. This just happened a little while ago. Uh, let's just check out the internet here. He, uh, was born in the Bronx. Yeah. He grew up in Sunnyside, Queens, educated in New York city, later attended Michigan state. Wait a second. Where's the Hofstra part? He played football and was a member of Alpha Psi. Okay. He later transferred to Hofstra university, but did not graduate. His classmates. Yeah. Included 
Francis Ford Coppola and Lonnie Kazan. Um, let's see. While he was at Hofstra, he became intrigued by acting and was interviewed for, accepted to, and graduated from New York City's Neighborhood Playhouse. Um, good for, uh, what a life. What a life. Let's see. Married a couple of times. What else do we want to say about Jimmy? I saw him once at Radio City Music Hall when all of the cast, just a good a good chunk of it, not everybody, came to have a screening, a special screening of Godfather One and Two. Uh, that was that was very that was a, quite a moment. I'll never forget being there, Radio City Music Hall, and watching both. Did he ever win? Khan was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his performance in The Godfather, competing with his co-stars uh, Robert De Niro and and Pacino. He didn't get it. You know, he at one point actually auditioned for the role of Michael. There are audition tapes, film, you can still find them online, where he's wearing the Marine uniform um, and talking with uh, talking with uh, Al Pacino's girlfriend. What was her name again? Diane Keaton. But what was her name in the movie? Um, so he's gone. He's gone. And there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. All right. Rest in peace. James Kahn, dead at the age of... 82. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-WABC. Um, did you see kids? Well, I don't want to blame it on the kids. It's not their fault. But reading and math scores are way, way down. And you think it had something to do with COVID and shutting down the schools and making them wear masks and all those teachers who didn't even want to come to school and claimed, oh, safety, this, that, and the other thing. you got to install a new radiator and a new humidifier and ventilation systems at a cost of a trillion dollars. They wanted all that stuff, but most of them just didn't want to go back to school. There are some great teachers. I had a couple, one or two, but there are some really crummy teachers out there, and a lot of them were lazy, did not want to come back. Trump was pushing, though. He was pushing every step of the way. They said he wasn't empathetic. Here we go. Cut 45. Donald Trump saying what needed to be said, even though the swamp, the media, Fauci, doing everything they could to undermine him, to blow him off. Cut 45. We're very much going to put pressure on uh, governors and everybody else to open the schools, to get them open. And uh, it's very important. It's very important for our country. It's very important for the well-being of the student and the parents. So we're going to be putting a lot of pressure on open your schools in the fall. Open your schools in the fall. Well, the problem was for the students, it was the fall of 2020. And what was going on in the fall of 2020? A campaign, a re-election campaign. And they wanted to do whatever they could to trip Trump up. Opening the schools, getting back to normal, that was not on the menu in 2020. They wanted to keep that thing going as long as possible until... They got Joe Biden in there. And then things uh, gradually, gradually got back to normal, if you can call this normal. There are two cover-ups at the media. Well, more than that, but two big ones. Joe Biden, everybody in Washington, D.C., knew for decades that he was a dummy, that he couldn't control his mouth, that he was, um, uh, well, just not a big intellect Bottom of his class at Syracuse. He cheated while he was at Syracuse Law School. He got busted for cheating. But it was all covered up. It was all, oh, Joe's a nice guy. Joe's a great guy. No, he's not. He's a bitter, nasty, mean man. Nobody likes him. And now we can all see it. You can only hide and pretend for so long. 
Democrats are now turning against him big time. Everywhere he goes, he gets blown off. Nobody wants to be seen with him. Stacey Abrams in Georgia? No, she's busy. There's another guy named Ryan, Tim Ryan. He's a congressman from Ohio. Biden showed up there yesterday. Uh, Tim Ryan did not want to be seen with him. He's a major, major liability. And everybody seems to understand that this cannot go on for much longer. Joe Biden is done. Now, how is it actually going to end? Does he just announce that he's not running for reelection or does he actually have to resign? I am more. I think he's going to have to resign. I think he's going to have to pull out. Now, that means we've got you know who waiting in the wings, Kamala. And I put on Twitter today, I know, I know she's got a drinking and drug problem. Let me let me rephrase that. I know she has a drug problem. She may as well have a drinking problem. Okay, I have heard that from very well-placed sources in the federal government. Okay, they know. I said it months ago. And we saw her performance yesterday. You see it every single day. This is a huge, huge, I mean, it's right there. It's something else they're covering up. Why can't we have a full and honest conversation about her? Um, All right. I wish her well, by the way. I want her to get help. Anybody who's going through that. Kamala, call me. I can help. I know about this stuff. Been there, done that. Well, except for the pills part. All right. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the number here is um, 800-848-9222. we'd like to say. Hey, one more time, John Hinckley. John Hinckley, the guy who tried to shoot Ronald Reagan, almost killed the guy, is out and now giving his thoughts on gun control to the media. Um. They'll listen to him. They'll listen to him, and they'll treat him with more respect than they do Donald Trump. My gosh. <laughs> uh, John Hinckley, um, who tried to kill Ronald Reagan, not guilty by reason of insanity, only in America. Huh? Cut 62. The Brady Law ushered in a waiting period and background checks, right. especially with regard to people who were suffering mental illness. I certainly don't think the <laughs> mentally ill should have access to guns. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Background checks are good and waiting periods are good. I think there's too many guns in America. And coming from you, that's quite a statement. Well, I hope it is. <laughs> what else is he supposed to say? I don't know. Why, why do we need to hear from him? Why him? Why He's getting the royal treatment from um, ABC, CBS. Yeah, he's their go-to gun guy now. All right, let's go to uh, the phones for a moment. Mark is in uh, Bayshore. Hi, Mark. Hey, Greg, how are you, buddy? Greg, listen, I don't know who tells you James Kahn was such a nice guy, but he really wasn't, just so you know. Um, Hey, let me tell you something. Um, Everybody's a nice guy the day they died, all right, except for uh, Mussolini and Hitler, all right? So James Kahn, in my book, is a nice guy. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. I mean, why? Did you know him or something? You got a beef with him? No, no, no. There's things I've heard. doesn't matter. Oh, the things you heard. I mean, Mark, come on. You know what? No, seriously, Mark, there are things I've heard and read about myself. I can't, I I mean, my gosh, you wouldn't believe the stuff they say about me, the things that you could hear about me. They don't know me. They don't know you, Mark. I mean, look, if I talk to all your worst, anybody, you know, first of all, everybody pretends they know a celebrity and then they... Very rarely will anybody go around saying, you know, he's the best guy in the world. No, people are envious of these people. 
gets to be in all those movies, gets all those women, gets all that money. Of course they're going to think he's a jerk because he has what they want. So, Mark, I want you to think about that for a moment. Here he is. He dies, and you call me, get me on the phone, get on the radio to say that you heard he's not such a nice guy. Come on. Come on, Mark. Mark from Bayshore, you called before. You're better than that, right? Come on. Of course I am. But listen, let me tell you one last thing. I'm going to make you laugh, right? When we used to watch the Three Stooges or Little Rascals, whatever it was, someone got hit on the head and they had they, they were they had their brain back. Someone got hit in the head, then they were dopey. My wish is that Joe Biden falls down, hits his head, and realizes what a jackass he is. How about that? Uh, 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 you got off on the bad foot with uh, the James Conn thing. And I got to tell you one other thing. I love the Little Rascals. But you ever notice in the Little Rascals, they didn't hit each other. That's one thing I hated about the Three Stooges. They were always slapping each other. Like, why are they doing that? It hurts. It hurts to have your nose uh, whatever. And I don't want Joe Biden to fall down at his age. If he falls, it could be the end. And the end's going to come anyway. They're going to. He's going to have to resign. He's going to have to leave. All right, Mark. Call back soon. Let's do one more. We got uh, Joe in Farmingdale. Hi, Joe. Great. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you? Fine. Hey. Um, wow. I, I got to call my father later. Um, he actually grew up with James Con. Uh, they actually grew up in Sunnyside, Queens. And one thing I remember with both of them, they had a picture. My father had a picture taken of him and Jimmy where he, they were working on a car. Jimmy was sitting behind the wheel, you know, with the gas. My father was adjusting the car. And one thing I was really trying to do is try to get them back together. But, you know, today is, uh, you know, not going to make that possible. And, you know, my father is old, too, and he's just getting over cancer. He's by himself in Arizona. And, uh, you know, probably going to have one of those little somber moments with him. Oh, well, I'm sorry about, you know, hey, let's, uh, yeah, that's tough. Uh, uh, your dad in Arizona. Where in Arizona is he? Uh, Scottsdale. He's up in the Rio, uh, Rio Verde. Well, that's a beautiful place to, um, yeah. to to spend your time when you're retired. How about that other guy calling to tell me he heard somebody say that he heard somebody say that James, Con- I mean, I can't stand that. On the day that well, my- the guy dies, he's a nice guy. And I'm sure yeah. he was a nice guy. Yeah, like my father was telling me, like, you know, he was blind. You know, he, he had really bad eye vision and stuff. And, uh, you know, he and he actually was telling him that he was actually going to acting, taking up acting. And, you know, again, what did he do? Uh, the Godfather. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> first time out, he's in The Godfather. Wait, it wasn't the first time out. He had been in the movies no, no, for a like, while. You know, and, uh, and sure enough, he does The Godfather. And the yeah. funny thing is, you know, in Sunnyside, it's right by the cemetery where they actually filmed the uh, 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 the Godfather. Yep, the, the funeral scene, the funeral scene. Hey, it reminds me, he was in Brian's song, which is a very beautiful, it was a made-for-TV movie. He played Brian Piccolo, Brian's song by Henry Mancini. That's a beautiful, haunting melody to this day. Who was the guy he was, uh, Gail Sa- uh, Billy D. Williams was also in that. We watched that as a family. Uh, it was such a beautiful movie. I remember being really choked up. It was yeah, even as a kid, I think that's the first time I, wow, so affected. Hey, I think we have James Conn acting, right? We have a little bit of him. What's this, What movie is this? What movie? God, Godfather. Godfather Part 1. That makes sense. He was only in uh, Part 1. Go ahead. Hey, what are you going to do? Nice college boy, huh? They want to get mixed up in the family business? Huh? Now you want to gun down a police captain? Why, because he slapped you in the face a little bit? Huh? What do you think? This is the army where you shoot him a mile away? 
You got to get up close like this. Bada bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. Come in. <laughs> this is business, and he's taking it very, very personal. Very, very personal. Did you get the music from that other movie I like? Uh, did you get the music from the other movie I like? Yes, no, maybe? Thief. It's called Thief, and it was in the early 1980s. No, you don't have that. But anyway, um, ah, that's great acting. And you know what? Not only that, not only are the lines great, he's very physical. He's doing this thing with his body. It's incredibly impressive. So James Conn, dead at the age of uh, 82. Well, it happens. Death is a part of life. It does start you thinking, though, what's next? You know, I saw an interesting quote the other day. I'm not going to be able to quote it, but it said, human beings, we're the only species on Earth that we can choose what we want to be. We can choose the type of being we want to be. You know, we can be aggressive or we can be peaceful. We can be mad or happy. We can do certain things. Everybody else, every other creature is programmed to do certain things and they do them. We're the only ones who have a choice. And that's another, to me, that's more proof, not that I need any more, but that God is alive and in charge of everything and has given us all of these gifts and he wants us to use them um, for the best, for the good. And we can get closer to him by knowing him. Aren't you a little bit curious about what comes next? Hmm? His body is temporary. It's just a bunch. Can you, you know what's going to happen to it, right? Or there, I, I think I want to get cremated. I can't, I don't want to think about what happens to a body when it's buried. But you know what happens. This is all temporary. But the soul, that goes on. And I want to do whatever I can to get close to you-know-who, God, so that, uh, well, I want the relationship con- to continue. I really do. Um, fair enough? Fair enough. Back here on Earth, back here in the world, we've got people having saying the most ridiculous things about race. You know, Roger Goodell is the commissioner of the National Football League. What does he know about black people? He seems to know a lot about, he says he knows a lot about black people all the time. The National Woke League, huh? Roger Goodell, cut 50. Listen to this. This is the kind of virtue signaling. If the NFL is doing it, IBM is doing it, the barbershop is doing it, everybody is doing this nonsense. Cut 50. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. Okay. We all condemn racism. That's not the outrageous part. What he says there, the systemic oppression of black people. He makes it sound like it's happening right now. Systemic. 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 You know, that means they want to do what they want to do. They want to get rid of the system. The system that, you know what, is pretty freaking good, actually. It's pretty good. The Constitution, can you come up with a better one? They hate it. Listen to how the left speaks about that beautiful document, the Constitution, that we used to celebrate universally. Universally, we embraced it. We may not like this decision, that decision. We may want to come up with a, another amendment or get rid of an amendment, but to throw the whole damn thing out, that's what the left wants. Cut 57. This is the Joy Reid show This Georgetown law professor ought to be disbarred. I think this is disbarable. I think this is anti-Democrat rhetoric, rhetoric, rhetoric language. She's actually cut 57. We are essentially slaves to a document 
that was written you know, more than 230 years ago by a tiny group of white slave-owning men. Wow, that, that Constitution really sucks. We're slaves to a, to a corrupt document that was created by slave-owning men. Wow, that stinks. You ever hear of Ellie Mistal? Ellie Mistal, a very strange-looking chap. Looks like he was electrocuted. He's got one of those very strange hairdos. Stands way up. And uh, here he is on The View saying the Constitution is actual garbage. Cut 58. The Constitution is kind of trash. Now, let's just, again, let's just talk as adults for a second. What did you say? It's what? It's kind of trash. Trash. It was was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. They didn't ask anybody to look like me what they thought about the Constitution. Okay, so it's... um, it's inherently corrupt. This is what they say all day long. It is inherently f- bad because of slavery. Cut 59. Let's talk about those founding principles because uh, slavery was hardwired into the U.S. Constitution. Uh, the same document that protected the sovereignty and freedom of white people uh, protected the transatlantic slave trade for 20 years. Okay, so it's interesting. To me, all of that stuff, that is anti-democratic. They are coming out against the United States Constitution. Now, what do they accuse us of doing? Because I have my doubts about the 2020 election. They say I'm anti-democratic. No, that junk you just heard, that's anti-democratic. That's a threat to democracy. But no, you, me, our doubts about Arizona and all the absentee ballots that flooded Pennsylvania, all those unguarded boxes of ballots in Georgia? What do they say about us? Cut 56. The Republicans across the country are undermining our democracy. It's easy to blame Republicans for undermining our democracy because they are. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. you got 19 st- Republican states all over this country who are undermining the foundations of American democracy. I would say the foundation of American democracy is the United States Constitution, right? That's it. The United States Constitution. Yet day in, day out on MSNBC and elsewhere, we've got people like Rosa Brooks, Georgetown law professor, right out loud saying... The Constitution is bogus. Five, seven, please. We are essentially slaves to a document that was written, you know, more than 230 years ago by a tiny group of white slave owning men. Oh, you hate those men, right? Men. Not only that, they were white men. Oh, white men. Yikes. Even worse. Hey, by the way, you heard about the uh, stabbing. I think the justified stabbing of a dude who was threatening, physically threatening, a bodega worker in Hamilton Heights, uptown Manhattan. What happened was, uh, let's see, a lady went in there with her kid at 11 o'clock a couple of nights ago and wanted to buy a bag of chips. She didn't have enough money. She left in a huff. Then it looks like a guy who's her boyfriend comes in, gets really mad at the clerk, pushes him against the wall, leaning into his face. A scuffle ensues. This guy, who's much older, the clerk who works there, he's older, takes out a knife to defend himself, stabs the guy, and uh, the guy dies. The guy is clearly in the wrong here. The guy who came in, you know, just pushing this clerk around, 
he's in Rikers Island right now. He won't get out until he comes up with $250,000. Now, it's all on videotape. You can watch it. This is self-defense. Everybody knows it. Everybody can see it. Yet he's the one right now on Rikers Island. And get this. They had a GoFundMe page for him, and they deleted it. You know, GoFundMe is like liberal, lefty, all that stuff. And you can only raise money for causes they agree with. GoFundMe has deleted the Legal Defense Fund for the hardworking Manhattan bodega worker holed up at Rikers Island on a whopping $250,000 bond after he fatally stabbed a violent ex-con he was trying to fend off. Jose Alba is currently languishing behind bars at the notorious jail despite surveillance video capturing the alleged victim, Austin Simon, 35, storming behind the counter of the bodega to attack him Friday night. Alba's family insists he was acting in self-defense when he grabbed a knife to fight off Simon inside the Hamilton Heights grocery. We all saw that. Relatives immediately launched a GoFundMe page to help raise funds to cover Alba's sky-high bail and legal fees after he was hit with a second-degree murder charge. But the page was removed Wednesday night. GoFundMe did not respond to the post's request for a comment. Reading here from the New York Post, the page has already raised $20,000 for Alba when it was suddenly removed, the Daily Mail reported. I would give money to this. The controversial district attorney, Alvin Bragg, has faced backlash over Alva's, Alba's case after his office brought the charges and then pushed for $500,000 bail for the father of three at his arraignment. Well, they're going to defend this guy, the United Bodegas of America president, and the community is on your side, Mr. Alba. I hope you can hear me over there on Rikers Island. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If you have time tonight, uh, when you get to your computer, you may want to Google Greg Kelly, Godfather, and a bunch of stories pop up that I did back when I was at Channel 5 uh, a bunch of years ago. I went to the various locations where certain scenes from The Godfather were filmed. Uh, one of them was when James Conn beat up Carlo bad uh, in Harlem. I mean, really bad. Remember that? He was upset about the his sister. And that little foss that uh, Carlo pulled. Anyway, I walked the street with um, Gianni Russo, who played Carlo. That's kind of cool. I found the the room where the five families met, where that actually is. It's a conference room today. It still exists. It's in the Helmsley building. I went to the house on Staten Island, the Corleone compound. I found that. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I went to the... The restaurant where they killed Salazzo, where Michael killed Salazzo, and who was the other one? The police captain, Hayden Sterling. Uh, it's a fabric store. At least it was when I went there. Got to be 10 years ago now. Anyway, Greg Kelly, Godfather. You can find all that stuff. Do we have any more Godfather dialogue or anything like that? You got the Thief movie? All right. Let me First of all, let me hear a little bit more of Jimmy Kahn acting, something of him acting. He died today at the age of 82. Hey, listen to this. The turf, he wants to talk. He got you, imagine a nerve on his son of a bitch, eh? Craps out last night, he wants a meeting today. What'd he say? What did he say? But a beep, but a bap, but a boop, but a beep. He wants us to send Michael to hear the proposition. And the promise is that the deal is so good that we can't refuse, eh? What about Bruno Tatari? It's part of the deal. Bruno cancels out what they did to my father. Huh. Bada boop, bada beep, bada boop, bada beep. That's good. That's good. Oh, he was such well, that's great casting. Great casting. I am actually in awe of casting. It's very you can choose anybody for these movies, but they they tend to pick the perfect people. At least they did in that movie. 
All right. So I don't have a I don't have him talking in Thief, but if you want if you're reminiscing about James Caan, if you want to see another side of him and another movie that you may not have seen, it's called Thief. And it has uh it's a remark he's he's a plays a bank robber, a very sophisticated bank robber, and the soundtrack is just awesome. Go ahead. They play this in the opening while he's breaking into a safe. He's very highly skilled at breaking into safes and whatnot. I think it came out in 1981. It's called Thief. It's hard to find. Hey, you know what stinks? We don't have DVDs anymore. I know the system now is better, but I prefer... I I liked it when you could give somebody a gift, a, a DVD, or somebody could give you a DVD. Or you could go to the store and look at the DVDs. You can't even... There's nowhere to go and browse and snoop. Snoop. <laughs> I don't know if I'm... All right, real quick. Let's go to uh, CJ in Farmingdale. Yes. Hey, Greg. Hi. I just... Um, I agree with a lot of stuff you say. You're, you're, you're very good on the radio, especially with the, like this race stuff. What's the problem? Um, no problem. I just I, I was working today, blue collar worker. Um, some guy was flagged me down. Happened to be a black guy. Went over and helped him jump his truck. Um, we had a great talk, and he can't stand Biden, and he's he wishes Trump was in office, and he had no problem. He's like, you know, there was no race thing about it. It was, you know, I'm sick of hearing this race stuff, race stuff, race stuff. He was just appreciative that I helped him out, and I was uh, I was glad to help him. You know what I mean? Well, I love these moments that happen. I mean, they happen all the time, day in and day out. And let's face it, we know the conversation that's happening publicly, and it it has, I think, seeped down to, like, the grassroots level, and I've noticed it. I, I have. I don't think it's my imagination. There's a bit more hostility out there than there was before. And... um what happened? You know, it's interesting. I had, a, I had a moment the other day, and I was trying to get through a subway. I was uh, swiping a card. I haven't been down there in a long time, and I was, I was swiping my card, and it wouldn't work. And a guy said, come here, pal, and he opened the door for me, the emergency door. Happened to look a certain way, and you know what I mean? I could just tell. We looked at each other, and he's like, you know what? It's not all that bad out there. You know, people know how to get along with each other. People do. Politicians are want us at each other's throats and they want these big silly but i love it day in and day out things like that happen you're right and uh hey maybe i even talk about it too much cj thank you let's do one more in our remaining time andrew in stanhope yes hey what's up greg what's up greg hi yeah, just quick on the ones that were bad-mouthing the constitution and white men they always leave out that it was republicans that uh opposed slavery and they were the abolitionist party, and that um, it was Democrats, they all are Democrats, that are making those Wait. That were the slavery party, the Jim Crow party. Well, Republicans, so was, Republicans were the anti-slave party, definitely, right? Anti-slavery party. You're right, and they're the ones that— Lincoln was a Republican. Them. Lincoln was a Republican, for sure. And, uh, yes, it's all swept aside for a convenient, silly, corrupt narrative. I hate that word narrative they used to just tell us facts but no now they only tell you certain facts that fit their narrative
which is their preferred story line. And it is a story. Make believe. Very much make believe. All right, Laura, George, and the rest, I'll try to get to you in the next hour. Oh, I got to take a quick break. I shall return momentarily. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, it happened a little while ago, but Brittany Griner, the WNBA player, basketball player, female basketball player, pleaded guilty in a Russian courtroom to those uh, marijuana charges. I don't think she was sentenced yet. She faces a heck of a lot of time in jail. She's been there for months already. My sense is they may have worked something out. Um, Brittany Griner is, um, shouldn't be there. I want her home. I think that Donald Trump would have uh, had her home already. I think also they wouldn't have messed with it in the first place, just like they wouldn't have invaded Ukraine if Trump uh, had still been in power. They, they wouldn't have done a lot of things. Hey, we wouldn't have lost Afghanistan if Trump were still in power. But it is what it is. Here we are. Now, people have been getting on my case, believe it or not, saying, wait a second, Brittany Griner, you know, she she kneels for the national anthem. She's anti-American. She's this. She's that. Uh, I don't care. And I don't think a president should care. It shouldn't matter what your political leanings. If you're an American and you're in trouble, overseas and it's an unfair situation and i think it's unfair to throw somebody in jail for 10 years for weed in your pocket in moscow i want you back i want to help and our president that's how he rolls by the way that's how trump rolls uh who remembers asap rocky asap rocky is uh i'm not really into rap but they tell me he's a very talented rapper he's rihanna's boyfriend they have a child together and Trump was all over Twitter and doing everything publicly and privately behind the scenes uh, to get ASAP Rocky out of Sweden. This is about three years ago. He was held there on some trumped up uh, assault charges. Looked like he was innocent, but he was going through a really hard time in Swedish prison, which I understand is probably not that bad at all. (laughs) It just doesn't even sound bad. But He didn't deserve to be there. He needed to be home, and Trump just went to town on it, badgering the Swedish authorities publicly, privately, and ASAP Rocky was brought home. Now, I don't think, I have a hunch, I could be wrong, ASAP Rocky could be one of those, uh, one of the five rap guys in the universe who support Donald Trump. I don't think that was part of the equation. It doesn't matter whether we did, whether we didn't. He's an American. We wanted them back. And Trump specialized. It's one of the things that he never got enough credit for. He brought a lot of uh, people detained, Americans detained overseas in Turkey and North Korea. Worked for that. Worked for it diplomatically. Worked for it publicly. Did all the right things to get our people home. And uh, we don't want Americans detained. And, uh, yeah, I know, Brittany. You know what, Brittany? When you get back, and I think something tells me you're going to be back pretty soon, I hope you recognize that... uh, The country was sticking up for you. This country that you don't seem to have all that much respect for. Maybe this will give you a new appreciation for America, where you don't get thrown in jail for 10 years for a little bit of marijuana. Although you really shouldn't smoke that stuff. I think you'd be a better baseball player, basketball player, whatever you do if you didn't. Um, Here is uh, the WNBA walking off the court now. They don't even kneel. When they play the anthem... WNBA players for a time, they just walk off the court. They just go back to the locker room. Cut 66, please. 
national anthem was played. We saw the players leave the floor, go back to their respective locker rooms. One of those actions we'll see throughout the season as part of the social justice initiative. Yeah, first of many ways that we will see WNBA plays, players using their voices all season long. This is nothing new for these women. They have been proactive when it comes to speaking out on social What? This has been nothing new for these women. You see how they spin for them? Nothing new for these women. They've been proactive. How is this proactive? Walking off the, uh, walking off the court, using their platform. They're believing the horrible lies about America. So many lies have been told about America, about and, and, and so many rich, powerful people perpetuating that lie, those lies. Where's that jerk again? The Roger Goodell, cut 50. Give me a break. What do we, you know? The National Football League condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. And here we go. This is uh, Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks head coach. The head coach happens to be white. Look at this preposterous and racist statement. Cut 47. We don't rely. This is about racism in America that white people don't know. They don't know enough. And they need to be coached up. And they need to be educated about what the heck is going on in this world. The, the really amazing thing that I've learned is black people know the truth. They know exactly what's going on. It's white people that don't know. Okay. So any black person you see knows the truth. Any white person you see doesn't. That's racist. That's horrible. <laughs> Dumb people and smart people come in all different shapes, sizes, and colors, Pete Carroll. Rich, famous people say this stuff because they want to stay rich and they want to stay famous. They want to stay famous. That's it. How do, how do they hold on to what they got? Kind of... Uh, kind of it's almost funny it's almost laugh out loud funny but it's uh, the, the 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 consequences not so funny no we're living with it we're living with it so that they can keep their their goodies right all right what else is going on um oh one other thing about Brittany Griner you know you know who can't get involved at this point personally Joe Biden there's a reason why you leave a little bit of wiggle room with your in your public statements it may have felt really good for Joe Biden to come out and talk tough when he said all this crap about Vladimir Putin. And Putin's not a good guy or anything, but you got to be measured. You got to be skilled. You got to be diplomatic. Cut 65. And it's Putin. It's Vladimir Putin who is to blame, period. Oh, I think he is a war criminal. For God's sake. This man cannot remain power. Well, that makes it really hard to pick up the phone and say, oh, could you let Brittany Griner go home, please? He can't do it. you got to have underlings now, and underlings don't have the same level of juice. And, um, yeah, so sorry, Brittany. That leaves you uh, in the situation you're in. Hey, watch out for the office person who uh, embraces the Black Lives Matter thing a little bit with a little bit too much uh, gusto. Have you noticed uh, some people really, really, really get into it? And I'm not, it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with, look at me. Look at me. I'm virtuous. Look at me. I care about other people. This is a crazy, crazy video. This guy is with no shirt on. He happens to be white. And listen to how he overdoes it in his support for Black Lives Matter. Cut 46. Black lives matter. 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 Black
is crying. He's crying so much because the Black Lives Matter so much. He can't believe it. Georgia, Manhattan. Yes, sir. Hello. George. Never mind. Barbara in Huntington. Hello. Hello, Greg. Good afternoon. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for making the point about James Kahn's death, the point that you speak only good of the dead. That is a very, very important civilized part of our culture that we've lost, along with many others. I don't think I've heard anyone point that out for maybe 30 years or so. So we're not teaching that. We're not teaching that to the younger generations. That's part of respect, respect for life, respect for our fellow man. We're judged by how we treat the weakest among us, the elderly, the unborn, the very young, and our dead. How do we treat our dead? We treat them with the respect that humanity deserves. Thank you so much for making that point. Oh, of course, Barbara. But can I can I say one thing? Um, I mean, a couple of days after the guy dies, then we can then we can have a full and frank conversation, right? Well, I I, I don't know. I <laughs> know <laughs> it's a little. Look, here's what I was thinking because when Colin Powell, and I really there were things I loved about Colin Powell. I was really inspired by. Colin Powell, he went to school in the Bronx, just like I did. He uh, he joined the Army, a very similar program to what I was doing in the Marine Corps. And I read his autobiography, and I really liked it. And he had all these little—I just felt like I had a lot in common with him. And, um, you know, I and I got to meet him a couple of times. And I liked him a lot. Um, and the day he died, I talked about that. I really did. I emphasized the good and all the things— However, a couple of days later, after an appropriate amount of time, as the media kept talking about him and talking about him and talking about him, I was like, well, you know, there are other things about if we're going to talk about him, let's talk about him. And there were some things that he did that I did not like. They always act like it was uh, acted like it was so out of the box, so interesting that he would endorse uh, Democrats for president, that he endorsed uh, uh, Donald Trump's opponent. Well, I pointed out that he had done so in the previous six elections. He's always endorsing Democrats, uh, that there was a real political streak to him. And uh, I think that's okay. I don't think we have to just be all pious and reverent just because you die. I mean, initially, yes, I think we should. And especially spreading rumors about James Kahn. I didn't like that at all. But, Barbara, I want to give you a heads up. I am open to having, you know, to talking about the good the bad and the ugly, even about the dead, but not the day they die. Fair enough? That is the difference, though. You're talking about facts about Colin Powell. The man who called into your show was calling with rumors. It's very, very different. And it's also, you know, right after the person died. So, yes, I never object to telling the facts. There are people who I admire during life. And after their death, there were things I didn't like that I never denied the facts. That's for sure. But this all gets back to what we're talking about with telling the truth and telling the fact, like the truth about our Constitution. You were talking and playing recordings of these people saying things about the Constitution that show a total ignorance and lying and fulfilling an agenda when they talk about the Constitution. They have never studied the Constitution. The Constitution, as you said a few days ago, is a simple document. Read the Constitution. Read the Constitution. I have on my coffee table here a book 
the elementary catechism on the Constitution of the United States for the use of schools. It was written in 1828 because at that point there were Americans who thought other Americans didn't understand this simple Mm. Constitution, which lifted us all into liberties unheard of in the world. Barbara, I love it. I love it. Don't let the fake news um, get you down or corrupt your worldview. We have access to all this information ourselves, and we should avail ourselves. Hey, by the way, I wanted to run this by you. Uh, did you hear that there is another January 6th witness who has come forward? This is a bombshell, everybody. Another January 6th witness has come forward. Uh, are you ready? Okay, this could be a game changer. Cut 68, please. We're also just getting some uh, information about a new witness who's agreed to testify publicly in front of the January 6th Select Committee. What can you tell us? Yeah, and it's a significant one, Wolf. Uh, CNN learning that Sarah Matthews, who's the former deputy press secretary in the Trump administration, was there on January 6th and then sh- and resigned shortly after because of she-, she was upset with the way the former president and his staff handled January 6th, has agreed to testify publicly at an upcoming hearing. Oh, my goodness gracious. Sarah Matthews have not heard one. Don't know her. Never heard of her. You see, they're desperate. Desperate, so desperate, especially after, uh, what's her name, Cassidy Hutchinson got caught in all those lies. All right, listen, Barbara, I got to go. My wife is here with the lunch. I appreciate your uh, your feedback very much, okay? We'll talk soon. Okay, Greg, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And Stu, Bill, Pamela, and the rest, give me a moment. I shall return. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is a story about two men. They competed for the same job. One was white, the other black. (laughs) One liked to talk a lot. You said, "Uh uh-huh. The other was shy as a Mm three-year-old. Rookies got to stick together. Our story is about how they came to know each other, fight each other. I'm going to whip you, Sayers. But you got to be at your best. And help each other. I think I, I owe you a beer. How are you? A lot more than that. Yeah. Hmm. I love this. Talk about a time machine, my goodness gracious. What it comes down to is that JC had a notion here, and Ed seems to think it's a good idea. We'd like you and Brian Piccolo to room together. You had me worried. I thought it was something really. This is this something really. Man, you're talking about a white man and a black man rooming together on a team that's never been done before. What J.C. is saying is that there may be some pressures. Severe ones. Hmm. It's James Conn was in this movie. I was afraid to get up. I figured not everything was going to come with me. <laughs> you have never seen anyone so black and blue in your life. <laughs> it's like a rooming with a colored player again. Gail told the joke. Gail, I'm sending Brian Piccolo back to Chicago. He's always been in shape, willing to give 100%. But he's not doing that anymore. He's... That's what worries me. Yeah. I don't know what it is. All right, it's cancer, unfortunately. Brian's song, great television movie. It was a television movie starring James Caan as Brian Piccolo and Billy D. Williams as uh, Gail Sayers, I think, right? And... Uh, 
Uh, you heard the story there. That was Jack Warden, I think, the late, great Jack Warden, who was narrating. He was a coach. And um, anyway, I love that. It brings me back to, what, 1974 or so, Baldwin, New York, 757 Sprague Street, whole family watching that. And uh, the song, that beautiful song, James Kahn, dead at the age of uh, 82. We've been we've been talking about that. And uh, a big, long life and a lot of great roles and um, good for him. Of course, most famous, arguably... In The Godfather. Oh, he was also more recently in a pretty good series. He was in the remake of Vegas, right? He was in Vegas, the series. There's a TV series, and he was the main guy in that. Good for him. Um, what else is going on? The Brittany Griner thing. I think she's going to be on her way home soon. Um, I've been banging the drum about this for months. Again, I don't care what her political views are. I hope, though, when she comes back, she acknowledges, quite frankly, people like me, people she may not agree with politically, who have been sticking up for her and banging the drum and making sure people don't forget you, even while the Biden administration seem to have bigger things to do. They just never seem to be. But now, because, uh, well, I guess what happened? The wife went on the morning show. She had no other choice. She went on with Gail King and said, you know, no one's paying any attention to us. Uh, something's got to change. And I, even though she pleaded guilty today and it's looking pretty bad, I think she's going to come back uh, very soon. Uh, Jeff in Scarsdale, hi. Hi, Greg. A pleasure to speak with you. You definitely conjured up those memories with, from Brian's song. And, and uh, I was going to hum that, the theme song, but now that you already played it to the audience, so I don't have to hum that song. But I actually Good. met uh, met Gail Sayers in person back in the late 80s when I was a bellhop. At the New York Helmsley Hotel. How do you like that? Wow. Yeah, no, that's, uh, huh. What was he like? What were you doing? What was that job like? What was that job like? A bellhop at the hotel. Well, we were always on guard for when Leona Helmsley, when we got the word that Leona was on her way to visit uh, the lobby, we'd all be on guard and, you know, we'd button up our shirt, make sure our creases were all, you know, everything was perfect in order but uh you know it was basically about getting out to sell through school and getting the tip money and making sure you don't offend the fellow employee because we had kind of like an order where you you're up next in line to take up the luggage and and if you kind of jump jump in line then you get the wrath from your colleagues you know when it came to that but you had to be a strong person real quick what was it what was leona's deal what was leona's deal what if she saw something out of line did she jump down your throat what happened yeah, she would, you know, fire on the spot. Uh, you know, on a good day, she would be in a terrible mood. That would be a good day for her. So you try to, like, not get in her path. I wanted to tell you quickly, did did you get to uh, finish the RFK Jr. book on Fauci? No. Not yet? Uh-huh. But you, I know you... You have talked about it for a while. So you, well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not reading that book. Uh, we, had, we had him on the show, RFK Jr. I liked him a lot. Uh, but that's not a book uh, I'm particularly interested in. I'm reading another book right now about uh, Nixon by Dwight Chapin. But no, I didn't read that book. Although I think, look, I've got doubts about Fauci. Hey, man, you know, just because somebody sends me a book doesn't mean I'm going to sit down and read it. I mean, no way. Sorry, there are just too many books out there. You know, I'm not going to. I can't do that. Can you? I mean, reading a no, book no, these days is an unnatural act. It's like so strange with the stupid phone and everything like that. But uh, no, I appreciate what he said. Uh, RFK. No, wait, it's not RFK Jr. Is Yeah, it's RFK Jr. 
Um, he had a lot of good points, and uh, I'm no Fauci fan, as you know. All right, Jeff, thank you very much. We are, yes, um, we need one more thing. I have to say this. Um, how many months? How many? We're halfway done with the year, as you know. I just want to say that this thing I read from Jordan Peterson is very helpful, and I'm seeing real results. Jordan Peterson, he's a professor from the University of Toronto. He's up in Canada, and he came out with a rule that he lives by. And I've, you may have heard it before, but it's so important. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And it's really it applies to anything you want to get done, anything especially if you're trying to lose weight or maybe um, exercise a bit. I just, I ran a little bit longer and a little bit faster than yesterday. Quite frankly, it was just a tenth, one-tenth of a mile more. One-tenth, but I feel like I'm walking ten feet tall right now. I didn't want to do it, but I did it, and I was better than yesterday, and tomorrow I'll be better than today. Jordan Peterson. This guy is magnificent, short of the Bible. Uh, his books, I count on them very much. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm looking live at the White House. They're giving out the Medal of Freedom, the highest award that can be granted by the United States to a civilian, to some people who rate it, a lot of people who don't. Megan Rapinoe, the goofy soccer player with the purple hair, she's getting one. Simone Biles, I'm sorry, didn't she quit the Olympics? She's getting one. Mr. Khan, who was nothing more than really a Trump hater in terms of why he's at the White House. He lost his son in Iraq. His son was a hero soldier. And then, for whatever reason, Khan, the father, uh, took it out on Trump. Uh but there's one guy here who's getting it, and I think he really does deserve it. It makes a lot of sense to me. Denzel Washington, fantastic actor and also a great thinker. And he's also, well, he's a man of God, and he speaks openly about his faith, and he encourages uh, folks to get into the Word of God. And also, this is a guy who is mystified, as I am, with social media or by social media and what it's doing the addiction to our phones and looking at these damn devices and not each other. He's spoken about it many times, and I think this is on the BBC. He makes uh, it comes up during the interview. Take a listen to this, please. Too much information, the polarization of the electorate, a meter spiritness, and false information as well, because the, the, all the whole of, fake all of news it. Pick thing. One. Pick one. It's not just one. That's the flavor of the day. Every day is something else. People have to understand. Are you using your device or is your device using you? Can you put it down? Can you turn it off? You're talking about literally the places people get their information from. I don't care what what information. Pick one. Phone, television. You know, it used to be news. Now it's opinions. Oh, glasses. We have three experts on the right, three on the left. Let's discuss. Ooh, light bulbs. We have three experts on the right. That's not news. That's opinions. Over and over and over. Cycle, 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 cycle. What is the long-term effect of too much information? If you're sitting there and you're thinking it's the gospel, what I'm saying to people is, to all of us, I'm not knocking the phone. What I'm saying is we have to understand. We have to at least ask ourselves around the world, you here in England, wherever you are, what is it doing to us? Great questions. 
great questions. And by the way, for the record, I don't do segments like that. I don't have three people from the right or two people. From, I don't do that. The, um, and in part, I'd love to have a conversation with him about this. People really do kind of know what's going on, in part because of the phone. There's like this digital osmosis that people kind of know generally what's happening, and we have become far more efficient at taking in information, in part because of the phone. Where do we go from there? What happens next? And what does over too much information do to you? These are great questions. And Denzel Washington is one of the few people um, of his profile asking them. Everybody else, I mean, who knows what's happening to us? I don't know. I mean, our brains are being rewired. We are changing. We are changing at a fundamental level. And that brings me to that guy in uh, the shooter, alleged shooter, Cremo. I am willing to bet that he was a... A devout user of video games. I'm willing to bet that he spent a lot of time on the internet. I'm willing to bet that he did not have a lot of friends in the real world. And uh, why bother with real people? I mean, gosh, they can let you down. They can disappoint. They can be a problem. But you just log on. You'll find something sooner or later that will stimulate you and keep that little hum of, uh, what is it, noroephrons or whatever flowing from your brain to the rest of the body. And that's uh, that's where people. I don't think we feel good. We just feel like kind of numb. You know, that's where we're in numb status. And it is time to take a look at those video games again. I don't care. You know, they talked about it for about ten minutes, fifteen years ago, and then it went away. I don't think they could prove a causal link between violence and these video games. Well, just like in 1950, I don't think they could prove that cigarettes uh, led to lung cancer. You think we went from Pong, two little light beams, kicking a simulated electronic ball back and forth, to blowing people's heads wide open with guns. Uh, the, the, what is it? Call of Duty 8, um, Grand Theft Auto 10. These are really intense, disturbing games. And, uh, of course, it's desensitized us. Of course. Of course. And one other thing that you don't hear much about, what about these drugs? 30 years ago, nobody was taking these pills. Hardly anybody. Now, everybody is popping something. Everybody seems to have a prescription for something, and that's a problem, a real problem. We have not even, nope, nope, nope. And why aren't we talking about it, by the way? Because, well, those drug companies uh, fund uh, the commercials, fund these networks. Uh, Pfizer, I don't want to mention Pfizer. I take it back, Pfizer. I don't even know what you got. The only pill I know that Pfizer makes... I think they are the ones who invented Viagra, right? Good for them. Good for them. They changed the world. I don't know what the hell else they inv- – I don't know what companies make what pills. I just know that some of them we may be overprescribing. Except that one, Pfizer, okay? Nothing nothing between – okay? All right? We're off the hook here. Bill in Connecticut, hello. Greg, Greg, there was a Western that James Conn started in with John Wayne and Robert Mitchum called El Dorado. He was a guy wearing a funny hat looking for the killers of a guy that raised him, and he only used a knife. Mm. It's one movie you should catch. I got to tell you, I hate Westerns. There's something about it. They just, they're like dusty and hot, and they just, I don't know. I get this anxious feeling when I watch a Western, and they also seem kind of boring to me. Well, what's it called again? El Dorado. El Dorado. 1967. The only good Western I've seen in a long time was 310 to Yuma. Other than that, I can't get into them. Maybe I'll give it a shot. All right. Thank you for that, Bill. 
Uh, let's do another here. We got Russ in Milford, Connecticut. Yes. Hi, Greg. How are you? I Good. like your show. I like your radio show, especially. Thanks. Uh, what's what? What do you think the story is for 2024? Uh, we know Trump is going to run. Who who would be a good VP candidate? Would it be Pompeo? No, think? I think he would be good. No, I no? don't think it would be good. I don't think it'd be good. Pompeo is nobody. First of all, nobody really knows who he is, and Pompeo is being a jerk right now in his own way, pretending that he may run for president even if Trump runs. That's not what Trump wants to hear. Um, Pompeo is a very talented guy and very smart, almost too smart. You know, sometimes those geniuses—they're so good at books, but they suck at the real world. I think he's got a little bit of that going on. And I think the weight loss, you know, he dropped a hundred pounds. That's too much. I think he lost some of his mojo when he lost the weight. What the hell does a guy like Mike Pompeo give Trump? Seriously, think about it. You want to be elected. What does that give him? What, what you got to bring something to the table. What does it bring? True. Nothing, it's nothing, awesome. nothing. You know, I mean, I'm sorry to be like, you know, but you got to think about demographics. You got to think about winning states. Where's Pompeo from? Kansas. I mean, that's gonna go. Uh, that's gonna go red no matter what. You know. So I don't think so. Uh, Tim Scott. People talk about him. You know who? It's not going to be Nikki Haley. I don't want Nikki Haley. No way. Swamp creature. Russ. Thanks a lot. Hey, I do have to take a quick break. Uh oh. Something. Uh, forgive me. A uh, small personal matter. Everything's fine. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, it's me. I'm okay, but I've got the weirdest cramp in my leg. Um, I'm actually in a fair amount of pain right now. I'm going to be okay. It's not like I got to go to the hospital or something like that. But if I don't stretch my leg out real soon, I feel like it's going to fall off. I apologize. Uh, I know the show must go on, but uh, at the present moment, I'm unable to. So do me a favor. Go at courtesy while we'll be here in momentarily. I apologize to everybody, but I got to sign off and uh, take care of myself. Okay. Uh, so sorry about that. All right, Curtis, he's he's coming down. All right, while I do that, if you guys can help me with my situation here. Stu, you ever have an issue with your leg like this? Stu's in Brooklyn. Yeah, I do. I have <laughs> potassium, banana will help alleviate that. No, I don't think banana's going to help. I know banana's not going to help. Um, but anyway, all right, what did you want to say? Um, we just celebrated the 4th of July because of a man named Hyam Solomon, who nobody ever knows. They all know George Floyd. Statues, schools, streets. I am Solomon, who is the man who made the paid for the uh, the Revolutionary War by inducing Jews in Holland to buy what was essentially worthless paper issued by the Continental Congress. Oh my God! I have no idea what you're talking about. What's the guy's name? I'm H A Y M Solomon. All right, I'm going to have to look it up. I have to look it up. I can't even follow, but. All right, that's interesting. Hey, one other thing. I just want to end this show on on well, my portion of it. James Conn, dead at the age of 82, Hofstra University. That's another thing I liked about him. He went to Hofstra, which is like a stone's throw from uh, where I grew up. And so many interesting people came from there. The director of The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola, came from uh, 
uh, went to Hofstra, also a native New Yorker, and a film that was made right here, except for one or two scenes. Uh, Mike, he's up in Ulster County. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike, you stand by for a second because I'm turning things on to, over to Curtis Sliwa. He saved people in the subway, and he's saving my show right now. Curtis, thank you so much. He, Curtis, I don't. I think I. Why don't you plug in? Where do you want to plug in? Sure. Uh, have you ever? I I don't want to alarm anybody, but I think I'm going to have to have my leg amputated. Oh, I've had that sciatic <laughs> sciatic you attack. Think? All right, listen. I'll see you later. Okay. You got it. Curtis Sliwa, everybody. Take it easy. Take it easy, Greg. Anyway, <laughs> has running here. By the way, some breaking news. Yes, Mayor Eric Adams, who claims that he does not speak to district attorneys like Alvin Bragg, like Eric Gonzalez in Brooklyn, has admitted that he had a personal conversation with Mike McMahon. This news just broke moments ago of Staten Island to drop the charges against Daniel Gill, who had smacked Rudy Giuliani in the back and then made disparaging remarks. Remember, he was charged with second-degree assault by the police officers who responded to that shop right on the south shore of Staten Island when Rudy was campaigning for his son, Andrew, for the GOP nomination just two days before the actual election in which Andrew finished second to Congressman Lee Zeldin. So the cops themselves spoke to the witnesses in the shop right, looked at the video, charged Daniel Gill, the employee, age 39, with second-degree assault. Somewhere between that time and the morning, Eric Adams admitted that as mayor, he intervened and he told the DA in Staten Island that it should be no charge. No charge at all. And that D.A. McMahon should contemplate charging Rudy Giuliani with uh, an offense of filing a false police report. This is complete interference. Whereas earlier today, just to show you the flip-flop nature of the swagger man who has no plan in dealing with crime, Eric Adams, he says he doesn't interfere with D.A. decisions when he actually spoke positively about Jose Alba, the Dominican behind the counter at the bodega on 139th and Broadway. You've all seen the video ad nauseum now over and over again. He said the charges should not prevail against Jose Alba, who has been charged with murder by Manhattan D.A. Bragg. Now, that's a good thing. The mayor should have spoken out on behalf of this vendor protecting his Little Bodega against a monster who decided to come over the counter. And again, I tell you over and over again, as a night manager of Mickey D's, as you all know, I started the Guardian Angels in the Bronx between 76, 77, 78, 79 when I was at night manager. We had a standing policy. If you come over the counter, whether you're a guy or a gal, you're dead on arrival. It's the DMZ. We give you a beat down and lock you up in the freezer until cops from either the 4-6 precinct came or the 5-2 precinct. Back then, they had to lay off cops. So sometimes it might take two, three hours. Although I will tell you, staff, I did turn the freezer off. It didn't freeze them like they were in the Arctic. 
But let me tell you something. Word spread in the neighborhood. You do not go over the counter at McDonald's on East Fordham and Webster, especially when that crazy white guy, Curtis Lee, was in charge at night, or there's a price to pay. And that's what you have to be able to do in mom-and-pop retail establishments. I don't care if it happens to be a store with the, uh, the familiarity of a McDonald's or a Burger King or a Wendy's, a franchise location. You have to be able to control everything that goes over that counter. And if a thug or a robber or somebody who's choosing to do harm to an employee comes over that counter, you have to be able to use lethal force, as Jose Alba did. Now, the mayor went outside of the Blue Moon Bodega earlier today at 139th Street and Broadway and showed support for the vendor, Jose Alba, who's being held with a $500,000 bail on Rikers Island. Right now, Guardian Angels and my wife, Nancy, Nancy is a criminal defense attorney. She's there offering her services if he's forced to uh, have to deal with a public defender. We should have the results of the court hearing today. He was expected to be brought in at 100 Center Street momentarily to face the judge. And what we're hoping uh, will mean that he is remanded home and that all charges are lifted by the turn them loose uh, Manhattan D.A. Bragg. Now, interesting, uh, the mayor said he doesn't talk to Bragg. He doesn't speak to any of the other D.A.'s. Bronx County, Clark, Queens County, Katz, Brooklyn D.A., Eric Gonzalez, and McMahon D.A. in Staten Island, except when it came to the case of Rudy Giuliani. Well, let me let you know when... uh, Mike McMahon, the ambulance-chasing district attorney, Democrat of Staten Island, marched with the other Democrats and Republicans in the annual Travis Fourth of July parade on Staten Island. He was getting booed by a number of people in the crowd who were screaming, you better not charge Rudy Giuliani. He was the victim here. Hey, Mike, if you know what's good for you, you better not charge Rudy Giuliani with filing a false police report That's all political nonsense. So the mayor has now gone on record with the Daily News admitting he personally interfered and urged the DA to arrest Rudy Giuliani and to cut Daniel Gill loose. As a result, you saw Daniel Gill the very next day was released on minimal charges. He has a return date, uh, I believe, in about 10 days. So that's the news that's breaking at this point. Let me make mention that once the mayor is fully recovered, I know he's following us. He had two stints put in. Now imagine, Rudy Giuliani was campaigning, crisscrossing all of New York. He was having chest pains. He wouldn't tell his son, Andrew, who was in the midst of the campaign. He wouldn't tell me, and I was campaigning with Andrew as much as I could, and with Rudy also on behalf of his son. When we lost, uh, immediately... We said we're throwing our full support behind Congressman Zelda. And on the line right now is Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, how you feeling? Day number two uh, <laughs> that you returned. I'm feeling like I'm right back in it. I need to rest a little, but that doesn't preclude my being able to do the, ra- the radio show. In fact, it's kind of like therapy. But I, I was listening to um, Greg when Greg didn't feel well, and then I heard you, you were coming in. And I, th- this whole thing is pretty close to insane. First of all, 
How would the mayor know what happened in Staten Island that day? He wasn't there. So why he's getting involved in this case is only because he has a 28% approval rating, which is the lowest of any mayor in history. And I reduced crime more than any mayor in history. And he's had the largest increase in crime of any new mayor in history. And he's being compared to me uh, almost to the point of people laughing at him. So how would he know what happened? Now, for, first of all, when he, t when he said I should be arrested for filing a complaint, I hadn't filed one. It would have been interesting arresting me for something I didn't do. Uh, I have subsequently filed one. I filed it yesterday. But that was after he accused me of filing a false one. Second, there are witnesses other than me. Uh, the, one, uh, the woman standing next to me has been on uh, both ABC and other radio shows saying that she was right next to me when it happened and it was hard enough so that she actually moved forward a few steps from the severity of the blow. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't hit by a truck, but it wasn't just a little tap on the back. And when you see the video, it is deceptive because you just see the touching of the back. But it was hard enough to move me forward a few feet. Hard enough so that I had a lump on my back the next day. Hard enough so that even the other day when I went in for pre-op for the stent, the doctors had to move around it in order to, we couldn't use the left side, we had to use the right side because there was still pain there. But Rudy, can you imagine that Mayor Adams today acknowledged just about an hour ago that he called the D.A. McMahon. He interfered in this yeah, I, case. I, 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 uh, I never in the time that I, I was. I was a former prosecutor. Every one of the D.A.s that were D.A.s when I was mayor were my colleagues. I mean, I tried cases with them. They were all friends. I never once talked to them about a, a pending case as the mayor. I would sometimes make public comments, uh, but usually that was when people were being, you know, let off the hook for things that they shouldn't be. But even then, that you know, I never talked about trials, my God. All right, well, you can imagine, he not only called him, this is the night of the actual attack against you, he tells him to cut Daniel Gill loose, who had been arrested by the cops of the 123rd Precinct for second-degree assault, and he acknowledges he urged McMahon to have you arrested for filing a false police report. Based now, on what? Well, this is the interesting thing. What when a liar. When your son and I were at the Travis Fourth of July parade, McMahon was there, as he is traditionally, as Democrats, Republicans, he was squirming. And this is what I told him, Rudy, and I know I haven't had this conversation with you. I said, McMahon, I'm going to do everything I can if you press any charges against Rudy Giuliani to convince him to move to Staten Island before November and then to run against you for DA because you'd kick his ass, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Well, at least they'd have a, D a real DA rather than a Oh, let me hat. tell you something. The crowd went crazy, and he knew, oh, my God, I do but not you know, want the, the wrath of Giuliani in my backyard. But this isn't, this isn't political. I mean, and, and do you know why I filed it? I, I was th why I, I asked that the guy be arrested? Because this is happening to everybody. Well, I'll be, I'll be on in a little while, and Curtis, you are the man of the hour. You're always there. God bless you. You're a great man.
Well, let me see. I got to carry Greg Kelly out on my back now. Let's make sure he's okay so he can return tomorrow. Yeah, tell him to let me know how he's doing later, okay? Very good. Good to have you back, Mr. Mayor.